What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? Welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast where we discuss items of religious life, reformed theology, and all things social media tainted. My name is Daniel Corey. I'm a pastor in Kirkland at King's Cross Church. And I am Josh Loftus, member at King's Cross Church in Kirkland. And Daniel, happy National Devil's Food Cake Day. Devil's food cake—that's the the really light, fluffy one that really yeah, the only really matters what you put on top of it. The really chocolatey one, the one that I don't know why it's devil. Mm. I don't know why he gets the best cake. It's kind of like why should the devil have? Why should the devil have all all the good cake? Um, but he does. It's reserved for him. Is there like a option B for the day holiday that we're on? Um, Is that it? That's honestly it. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's that's all we've got. Note um, to self. This is not the great greatest day of the year. No, it's not. No, it hasn't been a great day. Hasn't been a great week. Hasn't been a great couple months. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> you're here to you're here to. Uh, I'm here to encourage happy. you. I guess. Come on. <laughs> oh man, have you? Um, so I've been on Facebook. You know, that's the only social media. Uh, I know. Swamp yeah. that I wade into. It is. And uh, dude, the memes. The memes are are thick. the uh, The articles are abundant, and um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the interwebulars. I think it's because number one, people love the interwebs, but number two, they have a lot of free time on their hands. They got to so make much memes. Yeah, they got everyone's got so much time on their hands now. So instead of it going to like productive things, uh, you know, it just it just all goes into just a big truckload of memes. Which I which I have to say, although unproductive, I do enjoy. So I'm glad some people are doing it. There's actually like it's across my feed right now. There's actually a meme page, like championship going on. I guess people are really missing sports. So right now, through all of the quote unquote like Christian meme pages, they're having like their their Sweet Sixteen. Like I think they're down to the Final Four now. Um, dude, Reform Baptist. What is it? Reform Baptist memes. It's like it's it's in the it's in the semis it's going it's going for the oh. so i'm casting my vote for that <laughs> so uh with all the uh, the conversation or that's 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 an upgrade that's not deserved um <laughs> in the midst of all the poo flinging that's going on online, yeah, that's right i, I can't help within but wonder the, if, within the monkey cage <laughs> i can't help but wonder if like decades from now if the lord tarries if they're going to look back in this season of time and be like it's like the dark ages of communication they're like yeah, no one listened and everyone said crazy stuff like it, yeah it would just remind them of what happened in europe well it's like, literally like, going to be like the end of judges where it's like and everyone said what they thought was right <laughs> <laughs> and 
and everyone was right in and, their own eyes. And everyone was right in their own eyes. And everyone said what they thought was right. There was no judge in the land. There was no law no. in the land. Everyone just, yeah, it's, it, it is the wild west on the internet. Oh, man. Just do whatever you want. Yeah, I've, I've seen a ton of stuff. Some of it's hilarious. I saw, I saw some, um, like, senior group that went out and was doing, like, a seesaw log thing, and, like, half of them fell off and got, like, really injured. So there's, like, oh, that what? spectrum. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Which part of me was, like, I hope when I'm in my 90s, I'm still just, like, like let's you, do you it. You want to be the guy that's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody lives forever. Well, dude, dude it but, was awesome. But yeah, the internet, it, I mean, it gives us things like that. It gives us things like the Kenneth Copeland remix. Yes. Like that song slaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. man. But, so but then good. there's also the, um, like, where people aren't trying to be funny. They're actually trying to be really serious, and it's, and it's not funny, uh, nor is it all that serious. <laughs> yeah. But there's a ton of stuff going on right now. So everyone, everyone knows it, that uh, the current state, here in America um, has been such in this pandemic where most state governments uh, or mm. governors have basically said no, no church is able to physically meet. So it's relaxed a little bit in that they are allowing drive up services. Um, but in a lot of places, it's still like pretty locked down. Like We've not met in our building for over two months now. Yeah. Um, and in, in some states, the, the, the message that they're hearing from their governor is that, yeah, no, no time soon is this going to open back up. And that's kind of given way to a conversation or, again, I need to stop using that word, to a... A predicament. <laughs> a, a flinging contest. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> And, and there seems to be like two sides to this argument. One side is you should do whatever the government tells you to do, Romans 13. So whatever the government says, they are the authority. And if they say don't meet, you don't meet. And if they say that's for months, then it's for months. If they mm-hmm. say, so they would say, you know, Paul says in Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no governing authority except from God and those that have been instituted by God. So they would say, hey, the government is the authority, even over the church, and, um, and we should listen and do all that they say. Obviously, there would be some in there who would say, well, obviously, you know, within reason, that sure. this isn't targeted at the church, this is a, a health crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, the big thing I'm hearing um, is that, you know, the government has the right to protect life, and so they're going to protect life and they're doing that and we should obey them. The other side is like America. <laughs> we, we've been looking for a reason to rebel yeah. and darn it. Here it is. It's like you thought 1776 was a big deal. 2020. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> they didn't hear us the first time, boys get your muskets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are, there are two sides of this argument that are very, very loud. Um, frankly, very obnoxious um, and not a lot of actually productive and grace-filled gospel-centered conversations happening over this topic. Uh, I've gotten a few calls from friends who are in ministry, you know, asking and just, just 
kind of just venting and pleading like my people are hurting um, because there are consequences that happen when you're not able to gather with the church, like the benefits that come from being able to gather together as one body and all of the fantastic spiritual and, you know, benefits that come with that. We haven't been able to have that for so long. Um, there's elderly people who don't have the fellowship of Christians. Uh, there's individuals who, haven't been able to have the sacraments for two months. And so meanwhile, when all of this, like you say, all of this stuff is being flinged back and forth, there's people in the middle that are genuinely hurting. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a very serious topic that I think needs to be dealt with very, very seriously, very delicately. um, And it needs to be addressed with scripture with our authority ultimately as as the the main reason why we do whatever it is we do where whatever it is someone falls whatever side someone falls on this issue ultimately it has to be because that is what they see in scripture um and i'm not seeing a lot of that which is very disheartening to me so when you say that, I think you said that each side kind of, you're not seeing a heavy use of scripture. Mm. Um, I think we're seeing two passages in particular get like tons of traction. Yep. Yep. Uh, one we've already alluded to, Romans, Romans 13. 13, yep. And then the one in, what is it, Second Peter? I don't know. Which one are you thinking? Sorry, I'm thinking of the uh, submit to your government one. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he says, like, honor the governor or honor yes, Caesar. Right, right. right. Yeah, the, the other would be in Hebrews where it says, do not forsake the assembling uh, mm. of yourselves together. Yeah. So the one side is um, submit to your government no matter kind of, well, not no matter. I don't want to misrepresent. Um, submit to them here because they're they're properly carrying out their roles of government to protect life. The other side is like, Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We are forsaking ourselves or the assembly together. So we're wrong. And so how do we kind of mesh those two together or, you know, kind of, can they be meshed together? Yeah. I I mean, I think they're, they're both in scripture. So I think God knew that we would face situations where both need to be considered at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. scripture doesn't contradict scripture. Uh, so scripture is our authority. We're able to use the Bible to make our decisions. So I think when, when we have a situation like this, where we seemingly have two scriptural principles, they're at war with each other. Um, at mm. least in our head, at least in, in the society where we want to obey the government, but the government they're, the legislation they have led down is causing us to not being able to meet together. At that point, and you know, I, I don't know if you and I talked about this before, but I, I see that that puts it into the realm of an individual choice for churches to make. I don't think there is a blanket cookie cutter, this is what you should do in this scenario. Yeah, I think in, in, in your answer, there was something... Uh, very important, which was we don't believe that scripture contradicts itself. So mm-hmm. it's not like each team grabbed their favorite verse and just ride that <laughs> pony 
Joust. Um, yeah. So that, like that, that's not the point. No. Um, we, we don't believe scripture contradicts itself. So the issue at hand is how do we reconcile what scripture says about our relationship to the church and what scripture says about the church's relationship to the government? Yeah. And uh, how, do we, how do we wisely navigate those two? So I think kind of inherent in, in the conversation is the question of um, whose authority are we under? So sure. when, we, yeah. when we think of authority, mm-hmm. I think it's helpful to think in three kind of spheres. Uh, yeah. One would be that a... No, I'm sure this will. <laughs> this isn't controversial. <laughs> there's, at all. there's going to. Here's the thing, Daniel. What the the waters that we were about to jump headlong into, <laughs> there are no <laughs> good answers. <laughs> we are oh, we are going to make somebody mad. <laughs> oh, lots so of people. Just, so just just go for it. <laughs> I have my waders on. Let's let's go into the swamp. We're going uh, to the deep end. Here we go. <laughs> the first the first circle of authority is the family. So. A husband is the head of his wife, and he is the authority uh, over her. He is a God-established authority in his home. Mm -hmm. And so there are many, many things, primarily discipline and education, a few other pieces in there as well, that fall under a dad-slash-husband's authority. So that Bible in the garden, um, in Genesis 1 and 2, establishes that authoritative sphere. The Bible also in the garden establishes uh, through or in Adam a, I get this might be a little anachronistic, but a church in Mm -hmm. that there is religious authority. There is authority as to how God is to be worshipped and how he's to be drawn near to. And um, we see that under the time with Moses and Job and David and Solomon and Daniel and even to the current age, there is authority in the church. Hebrews says that church is to submit to uh, the elders over them. So clearly the Bible lays out ecclesiastical authority. The yeah. third is that Romans 13 that we talked about, that there's civil authority. I think you can also find that in the garden, that Adam was the first civil authority. Again, there wasn't a whole, a whole lot he of society to be ruled the over. Governator. The governator. He was the, the governator. The <laughs> the Adamnator. Oh, <laughs> you should have just stuck with God. That's a stretch. I'm gonna that that was dumb. I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and so God has established right and proper civil authorities. So those are the three big circles of authority. Right. And understanding how those relate to one another, I think, is important right. in all this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that that I think in in that in those definitions the answers to those questions i think lies the answer to the bigger issue because right now all of those authorities have been thrown into a bag shook up re- a lot <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it's poured out all over the place and it's like okay pick one um one of the presuppositions that i bring to the table the things that i i think i can deduce from scripture is that there's only one person well there is only one one who is perfectly, innately, inherently authoritative, and that is God. So God is authoritative in and of himself. The triune God right. has authority because of, of um, his status as God. Yep. All other authority is a derivative authority. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't have any inherent authority in and of myself right. that is like, oh, because of, you know, something deep inside of you, you could have a husband's authority. No, I only have authority to the degree to which I um, kind of stay on that foundation that is given in scripture. I, like I can illustrate it like this, like I can, I can decide one of the things that I decide for me as a father and as a husband is how I educate my children. Mm-hmm. I do not. So for, for our producer, Chan, um, if I were to go to him and tell his children, like, you must be educated in this particular way. Do I have authority? Do I have a father's authority there? No, I've left the foundation of authority. I, no. I don't. Yeah. Zero. I have zip. So my authority is limited to my faithfulness to the to the boundaries that God has drawn on my authority as a as a husband and a father or as my authority as an elder or as or in our governor's authority or our president or or whatever their authority. So I think that that helps clarify things a lot when we consider um that our authority is a borrowed authority and that once we leave the foundation for that authority, um, we have no authority. So if I try to, and I, and I think we all get this, and, there, and I, think, I think it might be helpful to illustrate it this way so that we can apply it then to governing authority. Um, we, you and I, Josh, were both complementarian. And uh, <laughs> I know you love that pronunciation. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to the degree that I lead my family in a godly fashion, mm-hmm. I, I, I have authority over them. Right. I do not have that authority over, over your wife. No. Zero. And so for, if I were to command her mm-hmm. and she were to not do it, I actually wouldn't call that disobedience. No. Disobedience no. implies there's a proper authority. And that proper right. authority is being violated. Correct. So when my when I give my children a proper directive mm-hmm. and they do not obey it, that's yeah. disobedience because there's proper exercise of authority. I know this might seem right. like really thick, but it we're well, going no, no, somewhere but, with it. Right. Yeah. But like if I come over to your house, my wife and I to babysit your kids. Yeah. And you give us authority. I can give you derived authority. Yep. It comes from you. So yep. therefore we have it. Right. Yep. So that's that's the idea is the mm-hmm. authority here on earth. Just like you know, just like Jesus said, you know, to, to Pontius Pilate, the, the you know the the authority here on earth is only there is only established mm-hmm. because God has willed it so, and He y- gives yes. them and He gives them the He gives them their very limited authority in their limited capacity. All Christians will say that Christ, at least hopefully, all Christians will say that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the authority of the church. But we also see in the scripture that Christ commands his church to be subject to the governing authorities. Yeah, I don't think you, uh, yeah, for us to say that Christ is the ultimate authority, like any Christian should agree with that. Um, When it comes to how do we then interact with the government, um, understand that so there's two there's a ditch where some would say well if they're wrong at one point then i throw out everything that they say well that's a fallacy yep. that, that's yep. stupid yep that's not um, that's not good but it also doesn't mean 
because because Hebrew or uh, Romans does say that they're established by God, and and there are some Christians who say, well, then then what they do is right. You're like, no, 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 no. 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 Paul wrote that <laughs> under the reign of quite probably Nero. Yeah, and Paul did not think that Nero was doing everything right. No. So again, within their spheres of authority, they should be obeyed, and within the realms to which they're um, being faithful to um to rule and reign in accordance with god's word they should be obeyed and when they leave that they should be they should not be followed and i don't tell any of you guys you know who are in the church you know what kind of cars to buy how to educate your kids no because it's your authority that's under your realm right uh i need to stay in my lane as an elder on that one the church is given authority with regards to the worship of God and the instruction of God's people and the evangelism of the nations, So we could simplify that and say word and sacrament, how we worship, what we do in the pursuit of God and the obedience of his word. God has the say over that. And he has delegated that authority to the church, not the government, not the family, the church now, or the, the civil government. Now here's where, here's where we're really going to have yogurt um, come into contact with fan. Uh, with some people's opinions that's they not the say, phrase that's what i heard growing up yogurt <laughs> when the yogurt hits the fan that's what are we, we talking plain up? yogurt vanilla yogurt is this french like vanilla. french vanilla that's yeah, the yeah. best stuff right there <laughs> did you ever make the french vanilla popsicles out of yogurt like you add chocolate Never. syrup to the french vanilla and then Never. freeze them Never. was that just me i see this trend specifically in america to want to marry politics slash the constitution to Christianity and scripture and want to make them uh, a unit. Um, and I'm seeing that a lot for the justification that some churches um, are using to basically um, completely just ignore everything that the government is saying we're going back to meeting we're not doing anything you guys are saying uh and they're using scripture slash the constitution as their reason for doing so um and i think it's very dangerous just like you were saying to when, when we start coupling together when we start putting our faith christianity in scripture and politics into the same bed it's really yeah, really dangerous so so yeah, I, I, I think that that's a, just a logical fallacy and it's being biblically unfaithful to, um, otherwise Paul would not have written what he wrote in Romans 13. Mm -hmm. So here, here's, the, here's the odd thing. Yeah. Paul wrote those words to people who were forbidden by their government to assemble, Right. but who guess what they did every single week? They assembled. They met. They did. They met. Yep. And so I don't think just touting Romans 13 is good enough to, to try to convince all and every that we should um, do what the government says on, on this point. Um, right. and, and again, it would be, does the, does the government have the right to tell the church how to worship? My answer from the scriptures would be no way. No, 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 no governing authority has the right to dictate how the church worships God. The only thing mm -hmm. that dictates that is God himself through his word. Now, 
there's some that will say, well, yes, the government does have the authority to tell the church how to worship. They told us to stay home. That is affecting how we worship. Mm -hmm. And we have obeyed up, you know, Mm -hmm. up to this point. Um, But I think that we ultimately we have obeyed not because we see the government as having the right to do that, but because of the convictions that we have in scripture. And there, there is a difference there. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. That's one important. would say we think that this is a good recommendation and should abide by it. The mm-hmm. other is they have said it, therefore we must do it. That's it. Those are yes. two, two totally different two things. Two very different things. Very different things. But yeah, no, no. It, it is. We need to stay, say emphatically, the government has no right and the government is not able to dictate how the church worships. Only God is the mm-hmm. king of his church. But if that means that they say we think it is best for you to stay home to for us to get up, you know, the, the first certain things we were told flatten the curve, don't overwhelm sure. the hospitals, learn about the virus. Right. We actually thought that those were really good reasons yep. to suspend worship for a season. Right. So it's not yep. saying that you just, whatever they say, you say phooey. And it doesn't mean that when they overstep that you say, well, then I'm going to drive however fast I want to up and down hundredth Avenue. Exactly. No, no, they still have the right to tell you that. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was really helpful to, I'm reading on church history from Nick Needham, 2000 years of Christ's power. Excellent entry level church history. I recommend it to anyone who um, wants to read. I was reading on the, um, well, so I'll just read this to you. So uh, when in 355, Mm-hmm. Uh, Constantius ordered Bishop Hosius of Cordova to accept the Arians <laughs> at the table. So here's mm-hmm. a governor saying, hey, I'm going to meddle with your worship. Right. Arians, people who deny that Christ was of the same substance, but that he was, they said he was of similar substance with the right. Father. They essentially denied right. the deity of Christ. Yeah. Um, here's what this man said. <laughs> He says, do not intrude yourself. He's writing this to the, to the emperor. Do not intrude yourself into ecclesiastical matters. Do not give, com- do not give hold commands. Up, hold up. That. Hold up. How he starts that sentence is the most condescending and vicious statement I've ever heard in my life. Repeat is, that one more time. Well, this is fourth century no. vernacular for stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, son. You know nothing here. Say that do one not, more time. Start over. Do, I need to hear this do, again. Do not intrude yourself into ecclesiastical matters. And do, and do not give commands concerning them, but learn from us. Oh. What a man. We will teach he you. Says, God has put into your hands the kingdom. To us, he has entrusted the affairs of his church. If anyone stole the empire from you, he would be resisting what God has ordained. In the same way, you should be afraid of becoming guilty of a serious sin if you take upon yourself to govern the church, quote, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. 21. This, this last sentence is the best. We are not allowed to exercise earthly rule and you, your majesty, are not allowed to burn incense. Class dismissed. <laughs> he sat him down and said, class in session, fool, let me tell you some things. That here's is what not, I love. That's legit, dude. That's, that's awesome. While it's strong, I actually thought it was well put where he says, hey, we don't have the right to tell you how to govern. 
Right. But also remember, you don't have the right to tell the church how to worship. Right. So I think we've zeroed in here on, on exploring spheres and understanding government. I, I would say the, the church um, by God rules over the worship of his people, that the government um, rules over civil affairs. I think that when a government, regardless of the constitution, when a government tells a church, you cannot worship, there are seasons where the church should say in the middle of plague, you know what? I think that's a really good idea. We'll suspend worship, though it pains us. Sure. And there's another scenario where the church says, you know what? We don't think that things are dire enough that the worship of God should be suspended. Right. Though that, that, that is where I would say a nuanced understanding of how those authoritative spheres interact. Right. And the big question is, how do you make that well, decision? What should the church do? So I, right. I would actually argue that the, 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 there's not a cookie cutter answer for our churches in Kirkland. And as, you, yep. as everyone knows, Kirkland is on the map for being like up there with Wuhan and New York as far as cases not good, of not good places. Right. Yep. But if you're like in Podunk, nowhere, Montana, right, um, where there's no cases, maybe in your whole county. Yeah, I think it's a different conversation, a different set of facts. But I would say, now here's, this is just my opinion. I, I believe that decision lies in the hands of the local church elders of each individual congregation. Um, I do not believe that it is necessarily where uh, the government has the right to tell the church, you cannot meet for worship you cannot take the supper in worship. Mm. You cannot corporately preach God's word to people physically gathered. Those are tough. Now, what we're doing, because we're here in Kirkland, is that we are trying as best as we can yep. to honor our local authorities and their, and their wisdom, because they, they have studied this they have uh, a group of experts that it's their job to to give good advice on these things and we've said you know what we think that social distancing is a good idea right now we think that being cautious hand washing uh, don't touch your face kind of things that those are wise and so we are we're having parking lot services so we're still gathering physically um, it's not what we would want per se it's not the best scenario but we're trying to walk a, a, a middle line where we're saying we, we want to be careful, but we're also not willing to just stay home and ride it out because we don't believe the threat is such that it is required. A different church in a different scenario may come to different decisions. And I think that those congregations should follow those elders and pray for those elders that they would rule the church rightly. My advice to people that are in ministry, to the elders, the pastors, is to make those decisions prayerfully, graciously, um, and ultimately make them based upon ultimately the convictions that you have in Scripture. But look at the people in your church as well. Um, look at the needs that are there. <laughs> um, I think that there's more to be considered here than just the than just politics 
Um, because I know, you know, like we said at the beginning, there are people that are in dire need of fellowship. Now that might look different how you come to those people's aid, depending on where you are, depending on how your church decides to do things. But don't, don't forget those people that are needing help, <laughs> that need the fellowship, that need the <laughs> encouragement and need the sacraments, need, need the fellowship of believers around them. I'm not the son of a prophet or a prophet myself, but here's where I think the, the battle is going to start to be waged is um, when things do start to open up and, and Christians uh, may not go to church until there's zero risk. My encouragement would be pick up Needham's book mm. on church history and find in there ever where Christians were risk-free in their worship of God. Like the, the whole, the, the passage in Romans that were written to people to submit to their government, they risked life and their families mm -hmm. and their livelihoods to go and to be associated with God's people in worship. Yeah. And um, I listened to one, one podcast this week and he just said, if we were to like totally recluse as the church until the, the, until there was no risk, he's like, I couldn't look so many people in the eye when I get to heaven, mm. at least for the first 10,000 years. Sure. He said <laughs> a people who risked their lives and lost them to go and worship. Now I'm not saying be foolish. Now I feel like I, I don't want to have to nuance everything. I hope people listen carefully enough that we, they don't go. Oh, yeah. so you're saying right. Lick, lick every doorknob. No, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh boy. Okay. I'll stop. <laughs> but um, we also need to not be so isolated and soft as a Christian church that we say, well, I won't worship as long as there's any risk. Right. Yeah. That finds there will, no parallel in the scriptures or in church history. There will always be risk. And the risk... Uh, Getting the, in your vehicle is a risk. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and more than likely, the risk will just increase. The farther and farther uh, we move, <laughs> the way that we are going as a society, the risk of being a Christian, the risk of gathering together with God's people will just increase. So I, I would say this, just wrapping up, if you're going, you know, if your church decides to continue to stay home. Um, don't forget about the people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. Make every intent that you can to care for those people because they are suffering. If your church decides to meet, please do so with meekness and with grace and don't make it a political statement. This is going to be, it already has been, but it will just continue to be a avenue for great church division. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to encourage everyone to um, to not give the uh, the enemy. And I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about Satan. Right. <laughs> just in case Wait, you were. You mean you mean they're not the same? <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> um, I would say that uh, people that that the conscience also plays a role here, and there will be people who will have from conscience issues who, if your church opens up, they may say, you know what, for, for a little while here, I'm, I, it's a conscience issue. I'm not able to come to worship. Do not judge them. And those no. who stay home, I would say, do not judge those who go. No. So no, no. either way, do there not, should not be not. judging going on. No. Um, the, the, the other 
respect that I would say is um, let's be very careful and, and let's think biblically about the, the way in which governments, again, I don't want to delve into uh, eschatology on this one, but let's be careful to not say that we need the beast's approval for how we worship the lamb. Like no. let, let's, let's, let's be biblical. And John wrote on how the church and government interact and, that's a church and and beast or, or how the church and false religions the church and the false prophet interact he laid that out in the book of revelation let's just be cautious to not just hand over the keys to all of our decisions on church worship that's how i'll limit it and say that we'll we'll just do all that the government says so this is a highly nuanced issue very difficult one and i would say if you are a uh, Josh has exhorted church leaders on how they should um, respond. I would encourage, uh, if you're a church member, please be praying for your elders as they make oh. some of the most difficult decisions of their ecclesiastical lives right now. Um, and there's no easy answer. Right there's now. not. There's not. And and I will. I'll add this as we're wrapping up. Whatever your elders decide, it is your job and your duty under Christ as a member of your church, whether you agree with the decision or not to support your elders in their decision. One of the good things that has come out of this, Josh. Yeah. No Korean culture. I know. I think, uh, you know, you know how people say like the new normal. I yeah. think the lack of a Korean culture is you now know, the new normal. You, you know, what's going to happen is we're going to have, we're going to end up having more eps without it than we have had eps with it. <laughs> and at this point, um, and as, yeah. And as Baptists, we love tradition. So oh yeah. Break don't that. break tradition. Yeah. Just, we're going to, we're going to get stuck in that mud and get all cozy. Well, we would love your guys' support. So if you would follow us on instant granules, Facebook's, or um, the, the Twitter pages, um, please follow, subscribe, click thumbs up, like, or tweets. And um, send us a review. Please, we enjoy reviews. A five reviews help. star or greater. Yep. If you want to write five stars, I would pick six. If I could, that's fine too. That would be a fantastic review. And yes. if you uh, like our content and uh, want to help support it, we have a Patreon account to help fund this. Uh, we do have to pay for subscriptions and things like that. So please uh, consider that if uh, you so desire. And we will catch used, you. We used a little loosely there, but that's okay. I'll just I'll, I'll let that one slide. We will catch you on the flip side. Oh, okay, bye. Out. <laughs>